This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Paid non-attorney spokesperson Adam Pulaski of the Pulaski Law Firm with principal office in Houston, Texas is the attorney responsible for the content of this ad. This ad is not legal advice and the choice of a lawyer should not be based solely upon advertisement. Services may not be available in all states. Attention Zarelto users. If you or a loved one took Zarelto and suffered a serious bleeding event, you may be entitled to financial compensation. Zarelto is a popular prescription blood thinner used to prevent blood clots and protect patients from strokes. These serious bleeding events have led to numerous cases of hospitalization and even death. Phone lines are open 24-7. Call 800-261-3620. That's 800-261-3620. Guru Jay, holy cow pie. My head, she is spinning. So much happening, but dizzy because I see all this before today. And you do too. Excelsior! Welcome back, my dear friends, my partners, my radio family. Britt is at the controls. I am here. We both gaze through glazed cornea as we provide for you the best radio show on the radio here on the Blaze Radio Network, even though it seems like I was just in this seat a few moments ago. But I love it. God help me. I love it so. Oh, what a night, huh? All right, so that we don't get lost, let me try to remember through the haze of my uh, stress and fatigue and giddiness, though I have nothing about which to be particularly giddy as in happy, given last night's results. Some of us do, well, you know, not a lot of us do, by the way. The only people that can be unrestrainedly happy today though not giddy, are Hillary Clinton fans. The only, I'm trying to think, no, that's not to, no, and Kasich. If you are for one of the two biggest known cow chips in the universe, Hillary Clinton or John Kasich, then today is a happy, happy day. But otherwise... Uh, giddy is not something that's on the menu for the rest of us. So we are the Blaze Radio Network. What follows is analysis such as you will find nowhere else because it's not their fault. Other hosts can tell you what happened yesterday or even the really good ones, what's happening right now. But... Only here can you hear what's going to happen tomorrow. As if it happened yesterday. And always, always modestly. It's the key. Our number, wishing, aching to hear from you, 1-888-900-3393. I wouldn't mind hearing from Rocky today if that's possible, and it may not be because Rocky works you know, for a living. Another reason it may not be possible is I, I don't know if Rocky is still not speaking to me. 
So I'd like to hear from him because I'm he's a partner of the show and I'm fond of him. And I feel I may have given offense. <clears throat> and so uh, it would be nice sometime soon to hear from Rocky. And and you too. one 888 Now, this is one of the things, if you're a partner of the show, you know this is one of those things that is tremendously important but also has a tremendously great chance of being swept under the rug or driven by like something you see on the side of the highway in a snowstorm at night, like, hey, was that just a, did you see, was that a, did you see a, did I just see a, you know, and you just drive on. So I don't want it to be one of those things, kind of lost for, illuminated for a tenth of a second in our headlamps during a snowstorm in the middle of Wyoming, uh, in a, in the dark of night, though that's sounds like the beginning of my book. That makes about twenty seven books for which I have the opening paragraph and no more. Here it is: the president of the United States today fulfilled his constitutional <clears throat> mandate in the circumstance of an absence on the United States Supreme Court to nominate a replacement to fill that absence. The president has so done. The president has nominated to the United States Supreme Court a chief justice of the District of Columbia Court, uh, the Second Circuit Court, of appeals, which is the feeder court for the Supreme Court of the United States. You know, the appellate circuit is where Supreme Court justices come from. And most most surely do they come from the Second Circuit. The Chief Justice of the Second Circuit, D.C., is Merrick Garland. Merrick Garland. See, just as a ha-ha, see if you can guess which undergraduate college he attended. See if you can guess which law school he attended. Uh, He is a liberal, a solid left liberal, though the president uh, already doth protest too much in presenting him strenuously far too vigorously as not being, which is your first tell right there when a president has to come out and say, now he is not a left-winger. I just want to say, hey, did anyone ask? Well, of course we would ask, but we don't need to. I'm telling you, uh, Garland Merrick is a solid left-winger. And... He's also tremendously well qualified. There are no questions as to his qualifications. But by being the chief judge on the uh, D.C. Second Circuit, he is already fulfilled and is every day doing virtually the same things. But for an address change, you know, he's doing the same things pretty much he would be doing on the United States Supreme Court. There's no question as to Judge Garland's skills. So I don't, I'm not going to pretend 
that that is a reasonable issue. It is not. He wept when he was nominated. He broke up. He said, this is the greatest honor. I love the law. I love being a judge. This is the greatest honor of my life with a caveat other than when my wife, and he named his wife, I forget her first name, he named his wife and said, other than when she accepted my proposal of marriage, and a further caveat, Mr. President, each of the days my two daughters were born. And he he didn't weep, weep, with tears streaming down his face, but he broke up, and I like that. I like, I mean, that <clears throat> he's a mensch, that, that, I was favorably impressed by that. However, whereas I like that, I don't like left-wing judges on the Supreme Court of the United States. Now, the reaction of Senate Leader McConnell immediately following Obama's nomination did cheer me up a little. I would like to be cheered a lot, but this is... Senator McConnell we're talking about. So I, let's not get stupid here. I mean, any promise from Senator McConnell is uh, is not a very solid thing. But we're going to hope this one is solid. And I think it may be exactly because he knows that he, if he breaks this one, the base of what is left of what is called the Republican Party will will go, you know, bat shite. I mean, this one is too important. To the people who didn't just come to politics this year, and you know who you are, the balance of the Supreme Court and who sits on it, especially given the kinds of cases it's hearing right now and the kinds of decisions it's rendering, if you're not new to politics, you know how important this is to you. McConnell says that there won't be a hearing and there won't be a vote because he is directing his party to agree with him, what's left of it, that the people ought to directly make this decision, i.e., no judges ought to be placed on the Supreme Court by an eight-month lame duck president of the United States that this is too important and that the election itself is figuratively or literally a plebiscite on the Supreme Court. And, and, and whereas that is certainly so, I believe, as I have believed from moment one, that that is uh, constitutionally wrong, that they are being politically stupid and it may backfire on them, Not what they're doing, just how they're packaging it. If you're the Republicans, you don't say, no way, he's not getting a hearing, he's not getting a vote. It's not what you say. What you say is, the president has fulfilled his duty under the Constitution to nominate, and now the United States Senate will do the same. We will fulfill our duty under the the Constitution to act as a check on the, and balance on the president, to advise and consent, and we will go through that process, and we will see what happens. That's all you have to say. That's all you have to say. The reason McConnell felt he had to go so much 
further than that was that he knows that he's not trusted. So like any other uh, chronic liar, he had to make the point over and over and over and over again. No, really, but really, but really, but honest, but really, but really. But this time, no, really, this time, you know. So that's what McConnell did. But that's what they ought to be saying. Well, you never, your blood is expensive, right? Remember that line from The Godfather? It was in the book. Blood is expensive. It's expensive for everybody. You don't want it. So if you can do what you want to do, if you can have your way and look like you're being a swell guy, if you can have your way and not draw blood, if you can have your way and make the other guy look like the bad guy, that's what you do. That's called politics. The Jay Severin Show, only on the Blaze Radio Network. Paid non-attorney spokesperson Adam Pulaski of the Pulaski Law Firm with principal office in Houston, Texas is the attorney responsible for the content of this ad. This ad is not legal advice and the choice of a lawyer should not be based solely upon advertisement. Services may not be available in all states. Attention Zarelto users. If you or a loved one took Zarelto and suffered a serious bleeding event, you may be entitled to financial compensation. Zarelto is a popular prescription blood thinner used to prevent blood clots and protect patients from strokes. These serious bleeding events have led to numerous cases of hospitalization and even death. Phone lines are open 24-7. Call 800-261-3620. That's 800-261-3620. The Jay Severin Show on the Blaze Radio Network. Yes, on the Blaze Radio Network. Thank you for joining us last night. We greatly enjoyed that show. Uh, I'm very thankful to you and to my partners, Doc and Skip, last night, uh, to you who called, uh, to Brittany who produced the show last night. We really, we had a ball. And uh, and truly, when midnight came, I was, when I start to look at that clock and it's after, it's after 11, I really am disappointed because I know it's going to go, you know, like this. And it's over all too quickly. It's fun, fun doing it with you. And and thank you so much. There might have been another one really soon, like this Monday night. But not anymore. But I want to, and if you haven't heard about it, goody, because I get to tell you first. Uh, But I get to tell you why, uh, in any case, first. Let's go back to the court appointment just for a moment, just another minute or so. The president has fulfilled his duty under the Constitution. Now the Senate will do the same. Although what that is, what that duty is, varies wildly depending on your point of view. You know, obviously, leftists feel that the Senate must immediately uh, have have hearings, and and the, and the hearing must report out a an endorsement immediately, so that a vote, an up or down vote, majority vote, can take place on the floor of the Senate. They want it. They want it done like this. That's the duty of the Senate. If you're a fellow liberal. Uh, but, of course, that's not the duty of the... I mean, it could be. It's within the purview of the Senate to do it that way if that's what they wanted to do. But it's not as if that's the only way to do it. There's another end of the spectrum. You just don't have to tell people how the sausage is being made, is what I'm saying. In this case, it's not lying. 
It's just stupid to say there's no way we're ever going to give this guy a hearing. You just don't say that. What you say is we're going to give this, we're going to take this under advisement. We're going to do our constitutional duty. We will pursue due diligence. We'll we'll consider him. And I'm sure they will. I mean, I mean, they might not consider him much, but they'll consider him a little. Here's what the Republican Senate will do unless McConnell is again lying. They will take this nomination and bury it. As Judge Garland goes around as is traditional and tries to meet with senators, uh, certainly the members of the Judiciary Committee, and then several others who are prominent, even if they don't sit on that committee. It's an introductory phase. It's always done. He's brought around by a sponsor. I don't know who his sponsor is yet, who his Goomba is yet, his godfather, who brings him around. It's usually, almost always, another United States senator who is well-respected, if not well-liked. They bring him around, and you know they they bring they bring Danish and coffee, and they go through that whole deal. I think that will be done minimally, and then I think the Senate will drag its feet until it goes into recess. And of course, the Obama even Obama is not going to do a recess appointment. I don't, I really don't believe he's going to do that. And once the Senate's in recess, it you can't appoint anybody. Because the Senate cannot receive an appointment by law if it's in re- if it's in recess, so they'll drag their feet until until it's they're in recess. <clears throat> I would also, and by the way, to perfectly legal, perfectly legal. It may be outrageous if you want the guy on the court, but it's perfectly legal. They are they are pursuing their due diligence according to their responsibilities uh, pursuant to the Constitution. So there's there's no legal problem. They're dragging their feet. Of course they're dragging their feet because they don't want another liberal on the Supreme Court. They're hoping <clears throat> someone other, I, I don't dare say Republican at this point, but you know, they're hoping a Democrat is not the next president because then, then they're not going to get Garland. Garland is merely a liberal. If if Hillary Clinton is elected, then you're going to get a screaming, then you're going to get a wild, screaming piece of left-wing shrapnel cutting through the court. O- Obama picked this guy because he's really a sacrificial lamb. In my view, my opinion is that Judge Garland, who deserves better, despite the fact he's a liberal, deserves better. Why <clears throat> Why do I think he's a sacrificial lamb? Two reasons, one of which I already knew and, and you probably did too, and that is the aforementioned. No matter whom Obama appointed, you pretty much knew that the Senate is not going to rush to confirm this guy, and they're going to let that die on the vine, right? But the second reason is, I had never before seen uh, Judge Garland. And when I saw him, I instantly thought, well, this, you know, Obama can't be serious about this guy because th- this, this, this man is, is, is a mature man. He's in his 60s. 
Now, there's nothing in the world wrong with being in your 60s, except that presidents who know what time it is don't put 60-year-olds or 64-year-olds or, you know, <clears throat> on the court because they only get a couple of picks, if any, in their lifetimes, and they want someone on the court who's going to serve for 30 years. And I don't think Judge Garland is. So Judge Garland must know all of this. And I just feel a little sorry for him because he seemed so sincere. But, you know, he's a sincere liberal. So I can't feel too sorry for him. But when you hear the squeals of liberals about this judge, remember, they don't believe there's any such thing as a liberal judge. Ask them to name one. Jay Severin. Excelsior. The Blaze Radio Network. On the Blaze Radio Network. one 3393 one 3393 and on Twitter, via Twitter, at J-A-Y underscore Severin, Blake from California. Welcome. Yes, sir. Hey, my man, how are you? I'm well, thank you. What's hey. on your mind? I'm, I'm, I'm replacing Rocky. Hey, Blake, if you have the radio on, you know, it, this is not going to work because we're on a delay. No, it's off now. You can't hear anything. Okay. Okay, great. So what's on your mind, my man? No. We're all good, Jay. Hey, I just want you to know that follow you, love you guys, know Glenn, met you, way back Utah, etc. I have a question for you. So sure, K6 stays in, right? How much of an impact is going to have on, right, evidently, he's, he's crazy. How much of an impact do you think that, you know, that may have on the road for my man Ted to make it through to the end, right? Yeah. Then, the answer is, is for everybody, just so we can dispense with this, but we can talk more about it if you want, but there's a single word answer. Uh, unless I can't use it anymore because Trump has trademarked it. <laughs> Huge. Really, I don't yeah. see it that way. But I, and I hope you and I hope I'm right. Of course. Yeah, he's making it yeah, impossible. Yeah. His presence in the race is making it impossible for Trump to reach twelve thirty-seven. I mean, there again, I there think. are two schools of thought on this. Are you watching a football game or are you watching a cricket match? And I'll, I'll get to that <clears throat> because either you believe that the Republican Party, the cricket match is the Republican Party is going to do, already knows who's the nominee is going to be. And I'll tell you right now who it's going to be. The nominee of the Republican Party for president of the United States is going to be Paul Ryan. And the vice president is going to be John Kasich. Oh my now, gosh. if you're watching that cricket match, you're you're not. You think that's crazy? And how it happens is crazy, or you don't. I'll explain how it happens, although almost everyone in this audience knows how it happens. They may not agree it's going to, but they they know the scenario. They know the play. All right. If we go back to the TV version of politics, which is like the TV version of law or medicine, uh, (laughs) uh, we'll go back to this and say, 
well, what did Kasich do? What's Kasich doing? Kasich, and there could not be a better laboratory experiment, Blake, than last night. If Kasich had not right. been in the race in Ohio last night, had Kasich not right. won Ohio last night, Trump would have. And the bottom line is that the loss of Ohio by Trump puts a very serious mathematical dent in Trump's math, his ability to get to 1237 prior to the convention and thus, in his mind, uh, preclude, prevent an open convention. Winner take all state, right? 39 or something? Ohio was. Ohio was a winner take all, and I think it was... Okay. Is it 66? I don't, I, I don't, I, a lot of the numbers are eluding okay. me right now. But the They're bottom line is, whatever, the, the knowing the numbers are less important than knowing what the percentages are, you know, and what it means. Right. And now what Trump has to do to win in order to get to 1237 prior to the convention, it, had he won Ohio, uh, would have been very, very, very plausible. It would have been, in fact... Very likely. But with Kasich no, in sure. just last night, just the damage mm-hmm. Kasich did last night to Trump is enough that it may have virtually guaranteed a brokered convention. If not, if he stays in for a couple more primaries where he could conceivably do well, one of them is mm-hmm. California, by the way, uh, really? then he's, he's going Kasich to absolutely okay. render a pre-convention Trump 1237 impossible right that's how amazing i don't know it seems to me like you know rubio's out i went to bed early got up early i heard it this morning i guess he bowed out kind of in a weird way something weird happened never heard his well he gave a very nice speech he gave a very nice speech i heard him speak heard 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 it all i had to listen i saw a lot of it we were on, but I, I got to hear some of it, and then I later listened to the entire thing. I had it recorded, and it was maybe the best speech he's given in the campaign. It was very nice. It's probably a but, good. It was probably a good timing. It well, you know, timing it's funny him. when people are liberated <laughs> from the pressures of actually being in. You know how many times have yeah. we seen this in sports or in life? All of a sudden, the guy can't win anymore, and he goes up there, stops worrying about what he oughtn't say, you know, he stops worrying about, oh, God, I have to be careful not to say this or this. All of a sudden he goes up and he lets loose and he's entirely himself. This is, a, this, by the way, is a freedom that Donald Trump enjoys every day. Of course. With with, with the, the media passing on all of the statements for free, commercial ones. Yeah. By on the way, <clears throat> this was later in my notes, but do you know that uh, a, a, an authentic advertising, I think it was advertising age or a company connected with them, but an authentic advertising industry a group studied, someone was curious, and so they went and actually calculated, I mean, hard numbers calculated, because this is not difficult to do. I, I, mean, I used to be in this business. It was part of my business in media. I, I know. They, sure. they, right, they tried I'm to figure me. out how much, if Donald Trump, had to have paid, had he paid, at at spot commercial going rates, if Donald Trump had paid as if they were commercials 
for the time he has been given that other people have not. So we're just talking about, you know, time above and beyond whatever, because everyone's gotten free media, right? But this is just above and beyond what everyone else has gotten. Do you know what the figure, did you hear this? Did you hear how much it's worth? I I haven't heard it, but I I would imagine it's probably close to $500 million if I was taking, throwing a dart. You are good. Four, four hundred plus million dollars. Okay. Okay. Well, I am in, that's I am like, in business, so I, I kind of... That's must, like five okay. Super Bowls. That's, yeah. No doubt. Exactly. Not only that, it's not a commercial, so people absorb it a little bit differently. Yes, it's more believable because it's news. Exactly. You are good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've yeah, done he, this before. Yeah, yeah, he's the master. Yeah. Wow. I, I just thought that Kasich would be a small percentage because Marco's out then roads on the way to Ted. I've been a Ted guy forever and hey, ever. Me too. Hey, hey Blake, you're I love wrong. honesty in the I, Constitution. Uh, yeah. I thank you for the call and say to you in closing that until the last few days, maybe the last week or so, when it became apparent to a lot of us, the case it was gaining in Ohio and then had a shot in Ohio and then in the last 72 hours was actually favored in Ohio. And then we realized, oh my goodness, he's going to win Ohio. Until then, all of us understandably believed that as we slide down the banister of life, we would remember Kasich merely as a splinter in our ass. But now he has become overnight at the very least, a very badly infected splinter. And it's no longer funny. Bill from the Commonwealth. No, go to break. I'll be right back. Jay Severin, the Blaze Radio Network. On the Blaze Radio Network, back to Bill. Bill, I'm sorry for the false uh, pregnancy there. I I was reading the clock incorrectly. Welcome. Jay, I am so happy to get a chance to talk to you. Well, the feeling is quite mutual, my dear sir. I'm a long-time listener, long-time, dating back to New York City, so that just gives you an idea. Wow. I am so glad you took my phone call. I thank you, and I, I have to tell you, as I was listening to your uh, your your talk on where you see things playing out, I am hoping, hoping that you are incorrect. And Me I will too. tell you, I consider myself a longtime conservative Republican, and what I am watching going on right now would be a horror show for the Republicans, in my opinion. And I think that people in America have to, the Republican Party has to start to understand that the American people have spoken. To go in and try to put this thing in a position 
that they're going to put their own candidate up. And don't get me wrong, Jay, I really don't have a problem with a lot of the guys who are in Washington now in the Republican Party. I happen to Mm -hmm. think guys like Paul Ryan aren't such bad people, but the American people have spoken. And I am an angry Republican who believes that we need to have change. And we have already made that clear with the front runner right now being Donald Trump and the man who is the runner up right now being Ted Cruz. I don't know how you can make it any more explicit to say enough is enough. We need a change. And this is the way it's got to be. If the Republicans don't understand that, they're going to have big problems when convention time runs around. And I'm the first to tell you, I, I, and I cannot believe I'm saying this because I have been a Republican for so long. I will not only leave the Republican Party, but I will do everything at my local level to disband the Republican Party, to break it down. I understand your rage. I share it. I share it. Let it go by the way of the Whig Party, Jay, and let's start it over again. Well, I, I'm afraid in honest response to you, Bill, I have to take the chance of making you even more angry. Are you ready? I'm ready. Because if you haven't heard this yet, I know, I know. But if you haven't heard this yet, and for any of us who haven't, I heard this man, I'm about to identify him, I heard this man's letter read over the air yesterday. Today, I heard him. He's been interviewed. I heard him speak. I heard his words. He is Curly Laughlin. He is a senior member of the Standing Rules Committee of the Republican Party, of the Republican National Committee. This is, because I was scribbling as I was listening, this is a I cannot tell you it's a, a, a strictly kosher verbatim quote. There's going to be a word out of order somewhere, but nothing nothing has changed the meaning. You know, the, the, the juxtaposition of words to make it the exact verbatim quote would not, I promise you, change in the slightest the meaning of what he said. You ready? I'm ready. Quote. Our problem, frankly, is you, the media. The media has given the public somehow the impression that the public selects our party's candidates for office. That's not true. The party picks the nominees, not the general public. That's that's as close to a verbatim quote. Let me say again, the media has given the public the incorrect impression that the public, that they select the party's candidates. That's not true. The party picks. That's what parties are for. The parties pick their nominees. We pick the nominees, the candidates, not the general public. Quote, Curly Laughlin, senior member Standing Rules Committee, Republican National Committee. Clear enough? See? Well, See, boy, Jay, Bill, it's I not an that. election. It's a suggestion. 
the actual selection of candidates must be done by, you know, party professionals so that's done right. Well, I, I have a question then to Curly. Curly, I don't know if you're listening out there, but what party <laughs> are you going to be part of when this whole thing gets dismantled after this election? Here? Because I got to tell you, that is an outrage. I play by the rules, Jay. I really do. I consider myself a person who understands the rules and is willing to play by the rules. And I get the whole thing with the first ballot and the second ballot, opening it up. And I'm also a believer that if you don't have the 1,200 and some votes, then it does have to go to that next level. They're the rules, right. and I'm are okay you, with are, it. We but have the, a minute left, the, Bill. The top I, two? I, I, Bill, we have a minute left. I want to make sure you know this. You know that this same guy, Curly, said two days ago, there is no first ballot rule. He said, and now I'm paraphrasing, the rules of each convention are attendant to that convention only. They expire with the expiration of that convention. The 2012 rules of the Republican convention are gone, dead, woof, gone. Now we are going to make new rules for the 2016 convention. And I'm here to tell you this whole idea of a first ballot uh, uh, obligation on the part of delegates just isn't so. There isn't going to be a first ballot uh, obligation bond. The American not going people to allow. lose again. As I, I did the best half hour of radio in my life a couple weeks ago, and in it I said, no living organiz- organism, Bill, ever willingly gives up life. And these people in the party are like that. Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network. My partners, well, our little boy, Project 1236, all grown up now, doesn't belong to us anymore. That's right. The brokered convention, that diseased cat is totally out of the bag. Veritas. Welcome back, my friends and partners and radio family. Let's let's get right to this. one 3393 I have partners on the phone. I'll get there as soon as I can, I promise. one 3393 Look, last night, last night Trump went three for five. Missouri is still too close to call. Can you believe that? He went three for five. But he should have gone, I'm not saying, I'm not rooting for him, but I'm saying, please, listen to my words carefully. They're crafted carefully to be delivered to a very selectively listening audience. Trump ought to have gone four for five, at least. Ohio went to a pretender. No pun intended. Ohio went to John Kasich, who is... You've heard of attack dogs like Chris Christie? 
They have been every campaign. John Kasich is the RNC attack Trojan horse. A meaningless person selfishly campaigned in one state so that he could justify his being the RNC Trojan horse, attack Trojan horse, to siphon votes away from Donald Trump and Ted Cruz, the purpose of which is to make sure, as an agent of the RNC, which, whether or not he has, is, is, has agreed to do so, but at the very lowest end of the spectrum, absolutely is aware he's doing so and is doing it anyway, John Kasich's existence equals draining votes away from Trump and Cruz so that neither Trump nor Cruz arrive at the convention with 1237. You've heard of Project 1236, I believe, here first, at least a week before anyone else in national media? Because you might be reading some other information that would mislead you about that. It was here on the Blaze Radio Network. In any case, before I get hung up on that, understand what I understand what's happening here. They're not. There's no question. As, as Guru Jay say for weeks now, there's no question whether it's going to be a brokered convention. At least in so far as the intentions of the RNC is concerned. Now, no one can absolutely say to you, this will happen, that will happen. But you're talking to the guy who could come as close as anybody to tell you what's going to happen, because I have, as you know. And for weeks I've been saying, and I say again to you now, the RNC long ago stopped talking about whether they were going to have a brokered convention. They're now far ahead of us. The RNC has now got up on their whiteboards in their office. They've got, you know, plan A, plan B, plan C, plan D, etc. What they're trying to do now is how can we hijack the Republican nominee and pick him ourselves with the least possible face of guilt? How can we prevent a riot? How can we prevent a walkout of half or more of the delegates? How can we prevent civil unrest? How can we prevent the destruction by our own hand of the Republican Party. Now, we're willing to do it if that's what it costs, but we'd rather do it bloodlessly. We would rather have, we prefer, a bloodless coup if we can have one. But as no living organism in the history of organisms has ever voluntarily committed suicide... You know what I mean. I mean, in, in, in nature. No organism ends its own life. The, the people who work for the RNC are among many billions of such organisms. They're not giving up what they've got. And they would truly, truly, my hand to God, they would truly rather lose... They would truly prefer to have Hillary Clinton or Bernie Sanders or Malcolm X, President of the United States, than Donald Trump or Ted Cruz. Because there will still be a pathetic, lame, 
Republican National Committee. Their the building will be there. The offices will be there. The expense accounts will be there. The jobs will be there. The free cars, the free air travel, the speaking fees. Their little gig, Cosa Nostra, our thing, their thing will still be there. That's what they're fighting for. They're like a paramecium fighting against a germ, trying to survive. That's what this is all about. They're way ahead of us. They're now planning on doing this. They're now planning on assassinating Trump and Cruz, politically speaking, and trying to do it as bloodlessly as possible. But they will do it in a gory way if they have to. I promise you, if you could grab the top 10 people in the RNC right now and, and, and put them in a basement somewhere and shoot them up with sodium pentothal and question them, they would all say the same thing. You know, we're, they'd say what Curly Laughlin has said on the air out loud. If you could find that, please do link us to it so we can all hear it. Maybe I can play it somehow on the air. Curly Laughlin, RNC, Rules Committee. He said the media has given the public the incorrect impression that the public selects our party's candidates. That's not true. The party picks the party's candidates, not the general public. Curly Laughlin, senior member, standing rules committee of the Republican National Committee. Clear enough? See, it's not an election that we covered last night or in which you participated. It's not an election. It's a suggestion. It's not the Ten Commandments. It's the Ten Suggestions, as far as they're concerned. The actual selection of the actual candidates, it can't be left to slobs like you and me. It has to be done by party professionals to make sure it's done right. Bob Schieffer of CBS News predicted on the air that Paul Ryan will be the next nominee of the Republican Party. And that Kasich will be the vice president candidate. When Ryan was asked to rule this out, he refused to rule it out. What does that tell us? This is Jay Severin. On the Blaze Radio Network. It's the Jay Severin Show. On the Blaze Radio Network, Craig and Dan and others, wait for me. I'm, I'm coming to you. It may take a few more minutes, but I've got to get this on the table. All right. I've been pretending. It, 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 maybe I don't mean that the way it sounds. Maybe I do. I have been pretending because it's my job, because we're all pretending that what's happening in politics is what we see on TV. But as I've said, like... TV shows on medicine and law, that's not exactly how medicine and law work, I'm told. And I can tell you what I'm seeing on TV is not how campaigns work, not how conventions work. I started going to them in 1976, and I missed the last two. But I've been to them all, covered them all, been in back rooms in most of them, had candidates at all of them. It doesn't make me right, but 
it gives me some insight to give you. And I, I just, again, want to say there's a football game going on which is being covered by TV in neat little packages. Like, oh, can someone get 1237? Look, <clears throat> look at the score of the ball game. Now the score is this. Now the score is this. Don't forget to tune in tonight because the score may change. Someone may hit a home run. Then there's a school of thought for people who actually have done politics for a living who say that that is rubbish. That for a long time, the Republican national leadership has known they would never let Donald Trump nor Ted Cruz be the nominee. And they have the power to do that. Their power comes in many ways. One of them is now John Kasich, their attack Trojan horse. Kasich's running for Ohio and depriving Trump of Ohio last night changes the math for Trump. Trump now needs 54% of all the remaining votes to get to 1237. But what I'm telling you is under the Project 1236 scenario, it doesn't matter. They don't, Reince Priebus doesn't care if Donald Trump gets to 1237. He doesn't care if he gets close or he gets over. He doesn't care because they're going to have a plan to metaphorically kill off Donald Trump and Ted Cruz no matter what happens. So let's say the worst case scenario for the, for the RNC, Donald Trump or Ted Cruz come up with 1237. No problem. The Standing Rules Committee, which has yet to make the rules, for this year, but which has already indicated there's not going to be a first ballot, uh, a first ballot delegate loyalty rule. You can vote for anybody on the first ballot. Looks like what they're going to do. So it's all meaningless. It's all a beauty. If this is true, it's all been a beauty contest. It's all been a shell game. Now there is compelling evidence that this is so that this is what's happening, that this is reality, okay? So Trump or Cruz arrive at the convention with 12, short, well, then you, they're going to, if they get, don't get 1237, well, that's easy for the RNC. That's easy for them to engineer. Are you kidding me? They're, la- they're going to laugh their asses off if Trump or Cruz get there without 1237. If they get there with 1237, they're going to make sure that they don't win on a first ballot. Because there won't be a first ballot rule, says this school of thought, of which I am admittedly the headmaster. And what happens then? Well, Donald Trump said today, I think there'll be riots if I'm not given the nomination. And I have even close to the 1237. Well, folks, that's two different sets of thinking there, isn't it? Two different sets of expectation, which is yours. As long as Kasich stays in, he's there to make the math difficult to impossible for Donald Trump and for Ted Cruz. Ted Cruz said today, John Kasich now becomes Donald Trump's best friend in the world. Because every time that Kasich can drain off votes and stop it from being a two-man race, Donald Trump's math doesn't work. But again, does his math matter? If you believe the cricket match school of thought, 
This really isn't a baseball game or football game. It's a cricket match or something else going on here. And what's going on is the RNC cares about how many delegates Trump gets because they don't want this to be too bloody. They'd like to commit this larceny in darkness if they can. But they're willing to stab him in broad daylight if they have to. So we're just talking here about what the RNC would, which scenario they would prefer, which makes them look least guilty. But they're willing to commit political, metaphorical murder in broad daylight if that's what they have to do to get this done. That's what Kasich is all about. That's what Kasich is all about. Donald Trump now needs to win 54% of all the remaining delegates if you think that the 1237 thing still matters. He needs to get 54% of all the delegates. And that is being made, rendered, difficult, 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 and impossible, ultimately, for Donald Trump, a legitimate candidate. I'm, I don't like him, but he's a legitimate candidate. And he's winning votes from real voters. And his math is being made, rendered impossible by whom? Whom? By a guy who is so far out of it that the networks are reporting today. Please listen. This is a quote. The delegate math for John Kasich is physically impossible. One network called it physically impossible. The other one called it a mathematical impossibility. You know why? The number is 102%. That is the percent of available remaining delegates that John Kasich must win in order to, again, assuming you believe in this model, uh, that in order to get to 1237, John Kasich has to win more delegates than exist. He has to win 102% of existing delegates. It's a physical impossibility. So why is he in the race? He is painfully, obviously, in the race for reasons aforesaid. He is there as an attack Trojan horse for the RNC to try best he can, along with other strategies, to keep Trump and or Cruz below 1237. But if Trump should still get 1237, they're not going to let him have the nomination. Paul Ryan, they're they're going to bollocks this. They're going to twist and manipulate this and set it on fire and lie and cheat and steal. Now, again, do I know for sure this is going to happen? No. Am I telling you that I believe it's going to happen? Yes. According to existing rules, laws, the morality of these bastards who do this, I know them, yes. So that's not, this is absolutely going to happen. This is, it absolutely could. I happen to believe it is absolutely what they are planning to do. Are you kidding me? Bob Schieffer goes on CBS News and says, Paul Ryan's going to be the nominee and John Kasich's going to be the vice president. He goes on CBS and says this, and then they go to Paul Ryan and says, well, CBS News just said this. Can you deny your new Speaker of the House? Can you deny that you're you're actually really all this is all set up and you're going to parachute in and run for president? And Ryan said, I will not deny that. We will not deny that. 
Now, the other story is, of course, that it, that Paul Ryan, it may be a second choice. But I will share with you right now that I believe strongly that Paul Ryan is their first choice. I believe Mitt Romney is their third choice. I believe Jeb Bush. Heb. Heb. Is their second choice. But I think it's Romney or Heb for two or three. But this is what they're planning. They're so far ahead of us on this. John Boner, pronounced Boner, the former Speaker of the House, has provisionally endorsed Paul Ryan for President of the United States. The guy is Speaker of the House. He's not run in a single primary. Not one voter has said, we want Paul Ryan. And John Boner is endorsing him for president. So what, you think I'm making this stuff up? They have this all planned out, me mates. All planned out. Does that mean it's going to happen? Nope. Does it mean they're going to try with hundreds of millions of dollars and all the rule changes they exclusively control about which you and I could do absolutely nothing. Do I do I mean to say that's what they're planning to do? You betcha. That's what I believe they're planning to do. Oh yeah, this Monday's debate on Fox canceled because Trump won't go to it. And that means that Kasich says, "Oh, well I'm not going to it either." You know why? Because Kasich's only job is to tr- is to tail Trump and to hammer him for the RNC. So if Trump's not going to be anywhere, you're not going to see Kasich there either. He's a hired attack Trojan horse. Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network. And my partners on the Blaze Radio Network, Dan from Arkansas. Thank you for your patience. Hi, Jay. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Um, Dan, my pleasure. I wanted to get your, I wanted to get your thoughts on uh, the Blaze partnering with uh, Rush Limbaugh to moderate the uh, last debate. Basically, just having him sit down individually with each candidate, ask ten questions, the same ten questions, each one. Um, and then broadcast it on the Blaze, Russia's show, partner with uh, Mark Levin, Levin TV, and uh, stream that. Do you think uh, so, so Trump let's, would let's be able be to say no here. to that? People people may think what you're talking about. You've, you've, you've thrown large portions of the audience into ecstasy right now because they believe you're referring to something that is going to happen. You're you're talking about what 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 do I think of the following fantasy, right? Well, you think Donald Trump can say no to Rush Limbaugh is basically yes. what I'm asking you. It, no, my, my, okay. my, my question is, you're really asking me what do I think of the following fantasy? Because that's what it is. It's a fantasy. There, 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 you know. I mean, I, I I would love it, Dan. I'm with you. I would love it. Do I think it's going to happen? No. Uh, but I, but I would love it. I would love it. Gotcha. 
Well, thank you very much. I don't don't think there's anyone in this audience, even if they're Democrats, who wouldn't love that. You know, who wouldn't the, 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 the clash of the titans there, you know, just given the personalities and the IQs in the room, who would not love that? I mean, it would be great. It's a great idea. I just, I just don't, I just don't think it's could happen. But I, I would love to have it happen. Let me ask you this: What do you think Donald Trump's uh, response would be if that was floated? He'd just ignore it, or I think it depends on the timing. But uh, so you're saying to me the two moderators would be Glenn and Rush? No, I'm saying the one moderator, and it would be more of an interviewer, would be Rush. And they would only use Glenn's network uh, as another way to stream it and get it out there. I see. So only I see. Rush ask the questions, uh, and only Rush asks the questions to each individual okay. candidate, separate locations, but the same exact questions. No personal attacks. No nothing. No, no. That well, can be course, goes no to another to, candidate. There's no way to get. There's no way to guarantee that you're talking about human beings, and you're talking about these that. two human beings. So there is absolutely no way to guarantee that the the human factor intrudes, right? So you you can say as ground rules, know this, know that. Uh, It's like the Three Stooges. I don't want to see any of this. Bam! You know, when the guy comes out, (laughs) I don't want to see see any horseshoes. Bam! Any crowbars. Right. And and I guess... uh, I guess I wouldn't set ground rules. I would just say the same. I give them all the same 10 questions and say, you're going to sit down. I'm going to ask you these. Give us your responses. Let them answer as long as they want. And and then move on to the next one, the next one. So it would be, be, forget the means of distribution. The actual event would be Rush interviewing Trump. Ted Cruz. And if John Kasich wants to participate, so be it. Oh, okay. Okay. I'm still learning here what the proposition is. Okay, so the existing candidates as of the moment, whatever moment that was, would be interviewed by Rush. Yep. Okay. Same questions I, and uh, yeah, unlimited yeah, so you time said, to got it, got it, got it, hey, 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 got it, got it. We have a time problem here. I got it. I hear things only once. I remember them for 50 years. Um uh, including music, which is called eidetic imagery, but that's that's another that's another boast for another day. Uh, the, the answer is one prospect. I think you ought to consider is that if all of the still existing candidates would agree to it, I don't know that Rush would do it, and and I and I know Rush, and my guess, and this is nothing, nothing. But uh, conjecture on my part. But my guess is that the candidates would be far more likely to say yes to that than Rush would. Do you want to know why? Why? (laughs) They are good. Thanks. Still there. Great. Uh, Dan, I think the reason why is that Rush would believe... In my view, Rush would believe that his integrity would so be riding on a single event that he did not, to his satisfaction, control, that it would be too high cost a proposition uh, for Rush exactly because he so values his integrity. This means he would have to attack Trump. Because we all know, if if you know if you know Rush, 
if you li- or I, when I say no, in this case, I don't mean no personally, but if you know Rush by listening to him, you know that Rush is for Ted Cruz. And you know that he's not for Donald Trump. There are many things. And again, I'm, this is conjecture. I'm speaking not for Rush, but for myself. But I am certainly personally certain that Rush admires many things about Donald Trump and is not panicked by the idea of a Trump candidacy uh, or, or presidency, I should say, but that, that Rush prefers Ted Cruz and strongly because he knows that Ted Cruz is a constitutional conservative and Rush is. And, and, and he, we've got the best candidate we've had since Ronald Reagan and maybe better than Reagan. And those are Rush's words. So one of the problems, one of the challenges for Rush, I mean, we're just, you know, we're just chewing this over. Uh, Daniel, this is a fascinating idea. But who, is that a little libertarian there? Yep, sure is. It's my son. <laughs> How old? 17 months. Bless, bless. Uh, is that great or what? Thank you very much. Uh, I, uh, I disagree. I think Rush is a smart man, and he'd be able to to uh, well, simply sit down or Trump, drop 10 what do you questions. Mean you disagree. And... You think he's smart. What, do I think he's dumb? No, I, he, no is, I... he is an extremely smart man. But there are certain professional challenges that – you can't like like Rush won't go on sixty minutes because they edit the tape. You know he'll he'll not do any TV that's edited. He'll only do live because he's so smart and so experienced. He understands what happens if you place your fate in the hands of editors who hate you and want to make you look like an ass. So there would be so much at stake. There'd be so little for Rush to gain by doing this and so much in his eyes, I think for him to lose by doing this, because think of it, he would immediately be hated forever by three quarters of the people who watched the show. The, the persons that he appeared to be kind, quote unquote, kind to, or more solicitous of, or more supportive of, those people would that, that supported that candidate would say you didn't support him enough, and then and and the same people half of them would say you supported him too much, and they, they it's it's a it's a lose lose proposition, it's a kamikaze run, but the only person who would be asked to do it conceivably, and the only person with the juice to risk it would be Rush, and. So maybe it could maybe it could happen. I don't think it will, but I, but maybe it could. I'm just I'm just having fun here trying to, you know, speculate as to who would be more or less likely to do it. And my 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 first uh, curiosity is, would Rush ever be willing to do something like that uh, more so than would the candidates be willing? But Dan, I thank you for the call, the suggestion. And I deeply envy I deeply envy the moment you have right now. You have a 17-year-old child. I'm sorry, a 17-month-old child. And you have all these years in front of you. And I'm going to give you the most hackneyed, cliched advice you've ever gotten. And all I can do is try to make up for it in sincerity, what it lacks in originality. And that is, you are so greatly blessed and enjoy every moment. Because that 17-month-old little boy 
is going to be 17 years old before you blink your eyes. The, 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 when the first day there's preschool or kindergarten, they're going to be in middle school. Uh, it's going to seem to you a week later. And every time, every time you have a chance to do anything with him, change his diapers, clean up his throw up, clean his boogers, you know, rock him, sing to him and talk to him when he cries in the middle of the night. Stuff that you don't want to do because you're watching a football game and you say, oh, I just sat down. I haven't slept. You know, I was up all night with the baby or I did all these things. I just sat down to watch this football game. And, and now your little two-year-old wants to like, you know, play whack-a-mole or something. And you've got a headache and you really play whack-a-mole. Do anything, everything, all the time with your child uh, because you will never know time of such importance to you that passes with such incredible swiftness as the growing up of that little human being right there, that little 17-month-old. I envy you. You are blessed. Thank you for the call. We'll be right back. Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network. On the Blaze Radio Network. Political parties choose their nominee, not the general public, uh, contrary to popular belief. Then why (laughs) bother holding the primaries? That's a very good question. That's, as promised, the worst thing you've ever heard as a citizen of the United States of America. Except for maybe the next thing Donald Trump says. I don't don't know, but... I know there's a lot of competition for the worst thing you ever heard as a citizen of the United States. I think this is in first place. May we hear it again? Political parties choose their nominee, not the general public, uh, contrary to popular belief. Then why bother holding the primaries? That's a very good question. That's a very good. Why bother holding the primaries? Well, that's a very good question, says the senior member of the Standing Rules Committee of the Republican National Committee, Curly Laughlin. Let's hear him again. Political parties choose their nominee, not the general public, uh, contrary to popular belief. Then why bother again, holding the primaries? That's a very good question. One more time. Political parties choose their nominee, not the general public. Uh, contrary to popular belief. Then why bother Again, holding the primaries? That's a very good question. And you wonder whether I'm mad conjuring these images of a conspiracy of the leadership of the RNC that I told you months ago that this was the real deal? that this was what they were going to, again, that they were intending to do this. 
that this was their thinking process, that these were their intentions, I believed. And I believe now that those are their intentions. I don't know that they will succeed. I can't even know that those are their intentions. Human beings can know very little, but we can suspect a heck of a lot based on evidence. And based on what you just heard, this is the guy who has as much to say as anybody as to whether there will be any rule change of any kind at any time, including delegates even being bound on the first ballot to vote for the candidate that won their loyalty, quote unquote. And we'll get more sound from old Curly because he's also said, hey, look, I don't know what rules you're talking about. The rules of the 2012 Republican National Convention expired when the 2012 Republican Convention expired. Those rules are set. Some of them are readopted. Some of them are trashed. Most of them are changed in one way or another. You know, a lot of them may be kept, like with the location of the bathrooms. You know, may have been the same for 40 years. But, you know, the no smoking rule may have changed. This is a guy that has said there are no rules yet for the 2016 convention. And when specifically asked about the first delegate ballot loyalty rule, this guy denounced it. This guy renounced it. If there is no first ballot delegate loyalty rule, well, I would ask the question that this reporter asked. Why bother to have primaries? And the RNC man said, well, that's a very good question. Why bother to have primaries? 30. So, you know, Guru Jay say, Guru Jay, holy cow, Chip, don't mind the slings and arrows, but Guru Jay revel when actual audio evidence can be brought before this court of truth. Count on hearing that audio frequently at this location. And know that we will get it posted at The Blaze so that you can hear it and play it for frenemies often. This is Jay Severin on The Blaze Radio Network.